Welcome to the vault where you can find the code to unlock your success. In this space, I invite real, inspiring and successful experts. We have eye-opening conversations about the way to reach your highest potential in life and in business. We will cover the mastery of mindset, energy, emotions, transformation, sales, marketing, thriving in business without losing your authenticity and balance. Hi, I'm Sonia Martinovic and host of The Vault, an entrepreneur, mindset mastery and online business coach with an obsession on real transformation. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs and other influencers master the mindset and build a successful and impactful business. Do you want to break free from your limitations and express your truest self in business and in life? Is growth your game and success your aim? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to the vault. Let's start cracking your code. And welcome to another episode of The Vault, where we are going to level up with this major experienced entrepreneur. For 30 years, Chris Beal has led a software startup as a founder of an early stage developer. He believes that the most powerful part of a software system is the human being. And the value key is to let the computer do what it does well, go fast without it getting bored. In order to free up human potential, Chris is currently... CEO of Connect and Sell Incorporated, based in Silicon Valley, and he hosts a podcast at marketdominanceguys.com. Welcome, Chris. So excited to have you here. Fantastic to be here, Sonia. Yes, I really love it. It's about a part of my past when it comes to corporate selling, right? So tell me a little bit about the story behind it. Is there a story behind it, or did you just see an amazing need in the market that you wanted to create, connect and sell? Well, I have two stories. One is mine and one is somebody else's. So I'll tell the somebody else story first. Mm -hmm. So connect and sell was, I would say, accidentally invented way back in 2006. And a a gentleman who it it turns out to be the original founder now Mm -hmm. was on another business kind of venture in India and wanted to call back to the US. And he came up with the brilliant idea of having eight people sit around a table each with part of the list he wanted to call taped to the table, taped down firmly with a telephone. And he instructed each one to point their finger of their left hand, their index finger at who they were calling, and then dial, navigate phone systems, talk to gatekeepers, hang up on voicemails. And if they got the right person, and it had to be the right person, the person whose name was on the list, hold the phone over their head silently, and he would grab it, look where their finger was and say, Hi, Sonia. This is Ilya. So that was how it was invented, just to solve a problem in the moment for one guy. Yes. And he realized from the math, from the experience, that he was having a conversation about one minute after the past conversation. And that compared pretty favorably with the usual half an hour to an hour of dialing and navigating phone systems. Suddenly he had a 10 to 20 times time machine, a time compression. Very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so that, they, they brought that back. He brought that back with a partner back to the States and had somebody build it as software. But the software had to have people in it because the people around the table had to become the people inside the software. Still mm-hmm. navigating phone systems, talking to gatekeepers, asking for transfers, doing all the same work those people would do, but never talking to the prospect. So that's the key oh, to what Connect and Sell is about. 
I stumbled onto it. My story was a guy who used to work for me called me up one day. I was sitting in my backyard in Silicon Valley in San Jose, watching some people go by on the golf course and thinking about moving here where I am now, Tucson, yeah. where I was going to run a solar energy company, very exotic solar technology mm. invented by a uh, Roger Angel, the Kisla Prize winner in astronomy, sort of the Nobel Prize for astronomy. Yeah. And he turned his attention to solar in it. I was being recruited to run this company. I thought, what an interesting thing to do. And this guy calls me up and says, Chris, you got to look at my company, Connect and Sell. And he used to work for me. So I looked at it and I said, Ken, do you know what the phrase wholly uninterested means? <laughs> there was a long pause because it was, it looked like a dialer to me. I wanted nothing to do with this thing. Yeah. And the, he said, no, no, you've got to meet my CEO, Sean McLaren. So he means the Sean McLaren. Now, the world I came out of was enterprise software development, building as a, as a programmer. I've been writing code since 1968. Oh, wow. If you can believe that. I know people. Yes, yes. I've been. How could that be? So much. Yeah, yeah, it's, of <laughs> course. Well, I'm very old. So it helps. But he, he said... Oh. <laughs> I know on HR, they can't do that, but we don't have any HR connection. Yeah. <laughs> so I can call myself old if I choose. So uh, he's a famous guy in the world of various things. He's the inventor of the cybersecurity industry. He is the guy who built the IBM mainframe storage industry. Mm. And he was also like programmer, who entre programmer, entrepreneur turned, you know, very successful business guy. So I had to meet him. So yeah. I went up and met him. And in five minutes, he told me what Connect and Sell really did. And I just said to him, I'm in. And he said, what do you mean you're in? And I said, I'm in. I'm working for you now. Yeah. And he said, well, what if I'm not hiring? <laughs> said, this is America. It's a free country. I can work for whomever I want. And he gives me this funny look. And I said, and you can choose to pay me or not. It's up to you. Oh. But I recommend strongly that you pay me because... I've heard it stabilizes the employer-employee relationship. Yeah. And you're going to want this to be stable. So I joined on the spot as VP of products, and yeah. one thing led to another. I, I underestimated the power of it. I thought I got it, mm -hmm. but what I didn't realize at the time mm -hmm. was that being able to talk to people on a target list mm -hmm. on command with no effort whatsoever yeah. allows you to use the human voice in order to pave markets with trust. And it's quite remarkable when you do the math around trust in seven seconds or so. It's pretty, yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, so there, there are people making or sales reps making mistakes in the first seven seconds. So could you explain more about that? Oh yeah. Everybody screws <laughs> up the first seven seconds. Well, first, you know, what we yeah. do is we let you get the conversation and yeah. then it's up to you. Right. So it's kind of like, we drop you on the back of the horse. Now, can you ride? And we're yeah. going to find out. And most people get bucked off the horse. I, I was raised out in the desert with horses. So I go to the horse analogy. Yeah. So I grew up way out in the middle of nowhere. And like, I didn't have a bicycle. We had a horse instead. Yeah. That's kind of how it worked. Yeah. So, you know, it's a funny thing at Connect and Sell. We, we always thought, well, that's just your problem. You take care of it, right? We're going to get you the conversation mm -hmm. and then you deal with it. And we've realized over the years, mm. maybe not. Maybe we need to do a little bit more because we learn from all the conversations that our own company does. We do about 115,000 a year talking wow. to VPs of sales, the yeah. very small team, yeah, a team of less than 20. Mm. And so, um, you know, we have to be good at it ourselves. 
But it turns out we also deliver about 3 million conversations a year that we get to analyze. Yes. So that's proprietary information for us. And our analysis shows all over and over the first seven seconds are crucial. Yes. So we came up with a technique for kind of managing that, I would say, managing the prospect's fear. When you call a prospect out of the blue, you scare them. Yes. And when you, you don't want to scare them. So you scare them. <laughs> and that's why they act annoyed. Yeah. Because they're frightened of you and you're the, you're the invisible stranger. Yeah. Right? Through all of human time, the invisible stranger is the worst thing in the world. That's the definition of the bogeyman. Mm. They show up at night in your village. That's why they're invisible. Intruders. Yeah. around here, And they're going to change the demographics in a hurry and not in a way that's favorable for you. So we don't like it. And yeah. when we cold call somebody, we are it. So we teach people how to embrace the being the problem mm. and how that's a great thing, not a bad thing, because you can turn that situation into trust every time. And we learned this psychology of this from Chris Voss, very famous guy, the author of Never Split the Difference. Mm-hmm. And he did international hostage negotiation for many, many years with the FBI. He was the oh, top wow. guy. Yeah. So I asked him once, how long do we have to get trust in a cold call? And he said, seven seconds. And I was kind of taken aback. And I said, well, what do we have to do in those seven seconds? He said, oh, that's easy. All we have to do is show that other person we see the world through their eyes. And then we need to demonstrate to them that we are competent to solve a problem they have right now. I said, well, isn't the problem they have right now me? Yeah. (laughs) And he said, bingo, you got it. So throw yourself under the bus. And then, you know, show them you can go away, but do a little trade. And the trade is they'll listen to why you called. So that's what we teach people. It is hard to do. Yeah. The psychology of it for for the sales rep is difficult. And we run something we call flight school now to teach folks how to take off, which is the first seven seconds, mm-hmm. how to get some value without screwing up out of their mouth. Yeah. That's <laughs> where they say, yeah, great, we're set. How to handle the objections that show up only in a cold call. They don't yeah. show up in other sales situations. Not in, in a, yeah, not in upselling or whatever. So no, it's a cold call. This is the problem where you, you ambush somebody, you have no relationship. What are you going to do? Yeah. And then how to how to ask for the meeting, how get how to get the meeting. So we teach it in four sessions of two hours each. Mm-hmm. And it's intensive, like you're having conversation after conversation Practice. with real prospects. Yeah. Not yeah. role playing. No, not role real, real not role playing. We yeah. think role playing is there's not enough pressure. Your voice yeah. is too easy, role playing. Your voice you gotta make your voice work because it's all about your voice. Yeah. Under the pressure of real conversations. Yeah, very interesting, Chris. I interviewed someone when it comes to effective communication. And as we might know, on a logical level, it's 95% of our communication, but then the tone and the use of the tone and going high and low and when is very exciting. So actually connected completely to that. So what you figured out by analyzing so much data is that it is about the seven seconds. So you just train people to go through and have the mindset how to fill in the seven seconds. Let's say we don't have this training right now, and you would have to tell us how to do it in seven seconds. Could you, could you help us give us some strategies? Sure. So if you were calling me, I'd actually give you two sentences. 
and, All right. and teach you exactly how to say them because you have to say them sincerely. So the first sentence is where you throw yourself under the bus. You acknowledge that you are the problem. And the second sentence, you offer kind of a fun, let's go solve this problem together. I'm the problem. Let's go solve it together. It'll be fun. So if I were calling you, for instance, you answer the phone, mm -hmm. I'd say, Sonia, I know I'm an interruption. Can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called? Mm -hmm. In a playful and curious voice, maybe with a little chuckle. Can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called? Yeah. And it's like, you're going to think, what? But you're probably going to say, sure, go ahead. Because what else are you going to say? Fight me for 27 seconds? Yeah. I'm going to solve your problem. <laughs> I'm going to go yeah, away. You're right. Yeah. And so you're going to give me the 27 seconds. Well, I've actually already accomplished my goal. Yeah. Because in giving me the 27 seconds, you're expressing a little bit of trust that I won't abuse it. And once you start down the trust path, as long as you don't blow it. And I asked Chris Voss this. I said, Chris, how long will somebody trust us once they start to trust us? And he said, oh, forever until you blow it. Most salespeople <laughs> blow it by selling to somebody. Oh, yeah. So, yes, that so now you have a simple job. Don't blow it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what do you feel that people, because we have this natural resistance towards sales, just because a lot of people just try to, you know, maneuver their way into getting into your schedule or your time, whatever. So how, what do you think that the major objections are when it comes to people and their resistance towards sales? Well, there's, there's two flavors. One is a psychological flavor, which is if you make the mistake of ever saying you're great, oh, we help companies like X, Y, and Z solve problems like blah, 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 we're great. You immediately get what's called psychological reactance. Yeah. And we all know it from the playground when we're kids. Yeah. Little, little kids, some three and four-year-old kids, not th third and fourth graders. At three and four, they don't do this. But when they're in third and fourth grade, they, they do this one on the playground. My daddy's stronger than your daddy. Mm -hmm. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. And it's back and forth like that. And then, you know, they fight in the, in the dirt, right? Yeah. So that's what, what we react like. When somebody says they're great, we react by saying inside of ourselves, no, you're not. Yeah. And so you have to avoid that. There is so no trust. <laughs> yeah. Mistake number one, made all the time, people teach people to do it. Like, tell them how valuable you are. They weren't waiting for you to call and tell them how valuable you are. Yeah. And they will yeah. push back. Yeah. The second mistake that folks make, and this is specifically in cold conversations, yeah, unscheduled, is they actually say what category of problem they solve, what category of business they're in. Sounds great, right? In marketing, we're taught establish yourself in a category, differentiate from others within the category in ways that you believe might be valuable for your target audience. Yeah. That's easy, right? That's marketing 101, 201, 301, 401. Yeah. All Two sentences. Yeah. So why shouldn't you do this in a cold call? Because the motivation of the person you're talking with is one thing. They're trying to get off this call with their self-image intact. If exactly. they didn't care about their self-image, they would have hung up. Yeah. <laughs> so they made the mistake. They answered the phone. You're there. Now what? Yeah. Right? Well, you have to leave them a path of going forward to listen to you a little bit. And as soon as you say what it is you do sufficiently that they can feel insulted that you called them to tell them how to do their job, they're going to relax and they're going to say, thanks so much, Sonia. You know what? We're set. We're good. Yeah. 
because you've just told them they weren't. Now you're on the third grade playground. What are you going to do? Say, no, you're not. Yeah, exactly. So those are the, those are the mistakes. And then the third classic error is now that you've avoided the second mistake. Yeah. Now you make it another way. Then the person expresses curiosity. So the mm -hmm. prospect says, oh, well, I don't know what this is. Why don't you tell me more? Yeah. I call this the Venus flytrap mistake. So Venus, fly, Venus fly flytrap, trap. you know, those are those plants that a, a, a fly will go into the plant. Oh, yes. Yes, I know. Down them. You know those things? Yes. Terrible, yeah. right? Well, yeah. that's the one where they're, they're trying to lure you in mm -hmm. so that they can then say, no. Hey, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We're sad. That's what I do. That's what I do, Chris. If I don't have time, it's just like, okay, what is it that you want? Okay, I'm not interested. Bye. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Unless you know what happens is we all do that. Yeah. But when we're on with somebody who is sufficiently sincere mm -hmm. and they've mastered their voice. Yeah. And they really believe that this meeting they're offering is good for you, that they're sort of saving your life. Yeah. Then trust the product, they believe that it, it, it can be a solution for you and you just feel that energy. And, and they're good with the fact that you might never do business together. So the key, the mindset mm. is really truly believing in the potential value, not the certain value, but the potential value of the meeting, not the product. The mm. product is later, the yeah. meeting just to learn. The connection. In the case where there is no business ever to be done and the value is for this person, not for their company. Exactly. And if you but believe all of that, it's easy. That's what I can reaffirm after so many years of, of sales in corporate and also in my business, right? It's really about that connection and establishing that trust in order for you to open up the conversation, right? So yeah. that's super, super important. And when we talk, because you are this amazing, experienced entrepreneur, when we talk about business and the markets, right? Because the market right now has been has changed, of course, because of the pandemic. I can imagine your business uh, has grown Im uh, immensely, of course, because of the pandemic. But how did people themselves change when it comes to sales? Did you notice a difference from all this data? You know, not much. It was interesting. Um, yeah, not much. What we noticed is phone answering behavior changed a little bit. People became slightly easier to reach. And we analyzed what kinds of phone numbers were the ones that were working a little bit better. And interestingly, the corporate phone numbers where you have to navigate their IVR tree and oh, yeah. maybe talk to a gatekeeper became a little better. And it became obvious why, because folks were forwarding that to their cell phone number because they don't have a corporate phone at home. Yeah. And, and now the, the call comes through and it could be a colleague. It could be anybody. So there's this lonely person at home, bored out of their mind, yeah. wanting a little human contact. Yes. Usually in some horrible Zoom meeting where they're, they're, you know, their brain is just like, oh my God, <laughs> another Zoom meeting, right? Yeah. And they get a call and they have this wonderful thing they can do and still feel very responsible, which is hit the mute button on Zoom mm. and go off video and take the call. Yeah. And that's what changed. So people yes. became a little easier to reach and a little more open, open. to conversations because they're not being so distracted by everybody around them. And it's not embarrassing. Yeah. After all, they're alone. Yeah. Nobody knows they answered that phone. It's not a faux pas. Now it's okay. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So when we look at the trends, 
what do you, what do you think that it will happen in the market right now when it comes to when it comes to your when it comes to this business right when it comes to this software but what are the changes that you're foreseeing yeah well the, the big one the big one is to email actually so mm. connect and sell in a funny way has always competed with I'll call it cheap digital communication. Yeah. It's like Gresham's law, bad money drives out good. Counterfeit <laughs> money drives good money off, out of circulation. Yeah. And counterfeit personalization, which is what happened with email. There's a lot of email automation where you pretend to be personalizing. Yeah. You're not personal at all. It's just a robot that's generating some text based on some other text, based on some other text, based on an algorithm exactly. that pretends to be somebody's friend in a subject line. Yeah, it's, it's all fake. Yeah, but it's it's mass producible. You can produce huge quantities of it, and that's what happened. So in the pandemic, email send rates went through the roof. Mm -hmm. Everybody's like, "Wow, it's going to be harder to reach people. We need to send more emails." Yeah, so sent tons of emails. Well, email open and response rates plunged. Yeah, And that is what we're seeing right now is response rates have fallen below 1% in business to business. Yes. And there, it, so what we've discovered, and this is obvious and it's embarrassing that we even have to bring it up, but when you have a conversation with somebody, mm -hmm. suddenly your email works because now you send them the only subject line in the world that's both honest and personalized 100% of the time. Thank you for our conversation today. Yes. Yes, that's amazing. So you open up the digital communication. That's what we're yeah. seeing is a trend toward starting with conversations rather than starting with, frankly, whatever they say, mass-produced digital. Yeah, but I think a lot of people are sick of it too, to be honest. Yeah. And and there is a, a bigger transition because it's so saturated. People are moving towards SMS and it's a higher open rate because people are not spammed with their email, right? Right. And soon they'll be spammed with SMS. Yes, yes. That's Just like the, the, the shift in the markets. Yeah. And then, you know, they're already spammed on LinkedIn. Yeah. So yeah it we spam people on occasion accidentally. A CEO founder yesterday reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, you know, you guys have called me like many, many times today, 22 times. Really? So I reached back. Well, I looked in our system and actually over a 17 day period, we'd talked to five different people at that company. Yeah. So it's a little different from 22 times to him in one day. Yeah. I, you know, I get why he would feel like that, right? It's, yeah. you feel even a little bit is annoying sometimes. And yeah. it was, but it's so different from email. Nobody gets to come back and say to somebody, look, I've gotten 1130 emails from folks like you go yeah. away. So he felt comfortable coming back to me through LinkedIn. We don't know each other. Yeah. Just looked me up and sent Thank me this you. thing. And, you know, I, I went and did the research. It took about 10 minutes. I got the data. I sent it back to him and said, this is what we did. And you're on our do not call list. And it turns out actually his uh, his VP of business development is doing a test drive with us. <laughs> so, oh, really? Yeah. That was kind of funny. That's I didn't not a coincidence, it, but... right? And the, they always say I... the, the close is in the follow-up, right? <laughs> Following <laughs> exactly. follow-up. So 22 times <laughs> should work. <laughs> I, I let that sleeping dog lie. I figured one of my reps is talking to somebody else there. You know, we don't really yeah. need to be calling them. Yeah. But the fact is human to human conversations have a natural throttle on their volume. You can only have so many, even with connect and sell, you can't yeah. have more than, I don't know, you might be able to have 50 or 60 actual conversations in a yeah. day. And that's a lot. That's like 20 times more than most people would have on a good day. 
but it's not so many that you can saturate the market. You're still a human being. You can only talk to so many people. So you can't become spam no matter what. It's taking a little bit of fun out of there, Chris, when you, in, there is a, a lot of fun into getting through the gatekeeper into the right person and the decision-making unit. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. that, that's you're just right. a personal, personal joke, right? So, and, but for businesses, I think it's amazing because you can actually, you, you, you can actually take some more time to really focus on this client and directly speak to the qualified prospect, right? Yeah. And, and do it in a way that, allows you to start human yeah. start as a person with the person yeah just yeah. that and yeah. you know it's there's an information theory element to this also so in an email we maybe have 5000 bits of information they yeah. come in through the eyes yeah. very little emotional content yeah. in fact email is known to have what's called a negative emotional slant right a neutral email will be taken as as negative yeah. in almost every case yeah you can almost say nothing to somebody in email without them being a little upset with you yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and inside companies is worse than outside, but even outside is a problem. Somebody sent me an email just the other day saying, I've been trying to get a hold of you and blah, 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 blah. And there was something about it that was a little like, I thought, I want to help this person, but it's a little chiding. Like I wasn't ready to be lectured in yeah. email yeah. by a 23-year-old person who thinks yeah. that my time is is her time. Yeah. But then I thought about it. I thought, okay, I'll give her a call anyway, because I like talking to people. But, you know, even there, my emotional reaction was immediately kind of negative because that's email. That's only 5,000 bits too. And it takes roughly just to get a little bit of trust, just a little bit, takes about 50 to 100,000 bits of information. That's almost your complete uh, conscious mind. (laughs) Right. You've got to get, you've got to get past all the thinking. And all the senses are included. Yeah, everything is included. You're completely focused, right? And there's magic in this little distance between your ears and your midbrain. It's only that far. Mm. You can't hear somebody speak without immediately judging their trustworthiness. It's impossible. There's no way to do it. Yeah. It's just, I think uh, this defense uh, safety mechanism we all have (laughs) installed inside of our, our subconscious mind. So... That's very, very interesting. So how much do, do, do people find it great? Uh, like, do they find a flow into doing conversations in this this way? Is there, okay, I'm opening up for a new clients and then I can take right away the next client? Or are some of the people like, oh, I kind of needed a break between those intense situations and a good conversation with a client? It's so, it's so different among different people. So yeah. I work with somebody named Cheryl Turner and she plays with her kids. She has a youngster at three, uh, about three years old. And she plays with her child at the park and mm. talks to CEOs the whole time. Mm. Because for her, it's very relaxing. She enjoys talking to CEOs. And so she has a list of CEOs and she calls them and sets up meetings for me. And we have a great time, right? Mm. I wouldn't be so relaxed. Playing no, me neither. Because <laughs> I'd have to be like, a, you know, a hawk, right? Yeah. But for her, it's a very relaxing experience. She uses our mobile app to do it. And so she's in flow the whole time. Mm. And she'll do this while she's driving or she'll do it walking around. Or she'll do it at the office too. Yeah. For her, her mindset is that she is anybody's peer. Mm. anybody on earth. In mm. fact, she once said to me, she said, I think if you put me in a room with God, literally, I could hold a comfortable conversation. And that's awesome. And, 
And that's the key to staying in flow because, yeah. and she's very introverted, by the way, this is somebody who is not an extroverted person. She's yeah. an introverted person, but she's comfortable in her own skin yeah. and she's comfortable being anybody's peer. She doesn't judge them and she doesn't expect them to judge her. And so she's good, right? Yeah. That's an easy kind of person to find a flow state with connect and sell. Yeah. Some people, they hear other voices mm. in what the prospect says. They hear their mother, they hear their father, they hear yeah. somebody saying no to them as a child. Yeah. And that's a little harder to recover from because you're going to get, you know, you're in charge. I mean, you ambushed this person. You have a lot of responsibility. And some people aren't ready to comfortably embrace that responsibility. And a lot of times I think they just don't believe enough in the potential value of the meeting. They sort of are doing it as a job. Yeah. And I think ambushing people for a living without oh. believing is like, I don't know. There's a lot of things that you should, a lot of jobs you shouldn't take unless yeah. you truly believe. Yeah. And I think, you know, the most you can get the best results the moment you really stand behind a vision and a mission and a product. And I, I worked in several businesses, right? When I, when I was in sales uh, management and I worked for a business, Chris, that I knew that I need to sell something that was not in alignment. It, it was just, they told, for example, something was monitored, but it wasn't. And I knew it, oh. right? So then you you just don't step in with the same energy. You cannot establish the trust if you don't even trust that the, the, the client's problem is truly resolved, right? So I can completely relate to that. Yeah. I can completely relate to that. So you also have this podcast, right? And we were just chatting about this before we um, started recording about this amazing book that someone, handbook that someone has created out of listening to all of these podcasts. Can you tell a little bit about the podcast, about the vision and what you want to achieve and deliver to your audience? Sure. The podcast is called Market Dominance, guys. It's a It's a play on a radio program that was on NPR for very, very many years, National Public Radio, it's called The Car Guys. And I, I'm an old car mechanic from way back. So I used to listen to The Car Guys. And The Car Guys are these MIT trained engineers, PhDs in engineering, who repair cars, right? One of them is no longer with us, and it's very sad. The, the click and clack, they call themselves the Tappet Brothers. And so that's what we named it. The, the it, Genesis was, Quite strange, actually. My friend Corey Frank, who I've known for a long time, one of the greatest inside sales team builders in the world, called me one day and said, I've got to get a book out of you. Hmm. You must write a book. And I said, Corey, I'm a little busy <laughs> running yes. this company. Hey, this is a bootstrapped company. This isn't like some venture finance company. Yes. So I'm on the front lines, you know, selling millions of dollars a year myself yeah. in addition to running the company. And I said, I just, I can't see it. I just don't think, you know, I'm a good writer, but I don't think I can do it. Mm. And he said, I tell you what, I'll drag the book out of you. Mm -hmm. I'll interview you every Thursday morning at seven o'clock for an hour and a half. And we'll use those words because you tend to speak in paragraphs and we'll send it to an editor and turn it into a book. I said, yes. an interesting idea. So I was willing to do it because there was no pressure. And it wasn't a podcast. It was just Corey talking to me. I mean, it's just two people talking. It's like riffing about the business and about marketing, right? Exactly. Also, yeah. And the, what came of it very quickly was this theme. And the theme was really simple. Mm -hmm. it, you can summarize it in a sentence. 
pave your target market with trust, mm-hmm. harvest that trust over the next three years to dominate that market. That's it. That's there is that's nothing else. Really punchy. <laughs> yeah, that's that really whole, sticks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> short, short podcast, right? But we, the question is, how do you pay? It's a cookbook. How do you pave your market with trust? Yeah. Precisely. What is a market? What does that really mean? Yeah. How do you reduce that idea to a list? How do you test that list with conversations? How do you feed the results of the conversations back to tuning the list? How do you come up with a message that is psychologically appropriate for having first conversations in order to test the market? What's the threshold for deciding that you can go into that market? How many conversations or what percentage of conversations need to convert to meetings? Yes. How do you train other people to do this? What kinds of people should do it? Does somebody need to do it for themselves or can they set meetings for somebody else? So it evolved and evolved. And one day a pretty well-known podcast publisher called me up. And this is actually a, a different funny story. He said, I caught you on somebody else's podcast on Daryl Prale's Inside Inside Sales podcast. And it you changed my idea about business. Now, this guy's in his 70s. Wow. He's not a young guy. Yeah. And I said, so that's really interesting. What does it mean to me? And he said, I want you to do a podcast. Mm. I had all these recordings. They were terrible. They're like the worst sound quality on earth. It's just me in a big empty room echoing and all this. But I sent him some and he said, this will change the face of business. You must do this. And I took him seriously. And uh, so Corey and I started recording a little bit more carefully. And then we started having guests. And one day, this fellow named Henry, he's been a guest on the podcast, by the way, you can find him. Uh, mm-hmm. Correct pronounce, pronunciation of his last name is something like Voidila, but it's America. So we screw it up, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good Polish name. And uh, Henry runs a company called RealSource. He's the founder mm-hmm. of it, buying office buildings, uh, medical buildings, like yeah. healthcare office buildings, which is a kind of interesting business. And how do you yeah. find them yeah. and so forth? And he, he decided after he listened to the podcast and he listened for four days, every single episode while his wife was on a ski trip and he decided to have it all printed out and he turned it into a couple of handbooks for his business and gave me a call. And we've been working closely together ever since. And uh, mm-hmm. he's built quite a business. Uh, he already had a great business, but mm-hmm. the acceleration to it in being able to build trust at pace and scale has really been something. And one of my favorite guests. So yeah, go check out Henry. I think the episode is called uh, When the Student is Ready, the Teacher Appears. Oh, that's a good title. That's a good title. And I love it. And also the business is, is if we look at business, right, it's a completely different question, <laughs> Chris. I was so sucked into the story, I'm very honest. But when we look at the business, if you look at having such, an, such a huge and successful business and helping successful clients in, in the industry, what would you say from all these years of experience in different businesses and entrepreneur and what is the number one business lesson you got in life? You know, it's interesting. Number one to me is you really need to understand the problem that you're solving all the way down. And by all the way down, I mean, whatever you think at the beginning is your solution, your insight, you have to recognize that you have to treat it as, as gold and recognize that it's crap at the same time. 
you're going to have to do something with it and you have to believe in it like it's the most important thing in the world. And I think that is the real challenge because we're tempted on one side or the other. We're tempted to go, well, whatever we're doing must be great. Let's just do that. And then you don't learn. So you get in, in flow, but you're never stuck. And when you're not stuck, you don't learn. You've got to get stuck. You've got to get out there and get stuck repeatedly. Enjoy the flow. Flow will come. Every once in a while, you'll have these high points, but recognize that, you know, the opportunities to learn come from being stuck. And when you're stuck enough, you'll have to understand the problem at another level down because yeah. competitive advantage, survivability, long-term dominance, ability to help others ultimately comes down to understanding the problem better than anybody else. And being willing to understand somebody else's problem as though you have no idea what's going on with you. Mm, that's a good one. That's really good. <laughs> so yeah, if you want more nuggets, please check out the show notes so that you can grab episodes of the podcast. Definitely go out there. And I would like to ask you uh, a last question, Chris. So what is the one question that nobody ever asks you, but you would love to answer? Oh, this is nobody ever asked me this question, which is, did you ever think you would be in business? They just assume I did. Wow. And I, I can answer that question. Never, never. Even though I started my first business when I was 11 years old, I never thought I would be in business. I always thought I would be a scientist and that if anything, I was going to be a teacher. And in fact, I, I studied to be a teacher. I have a degree in physics. Amazing. And I was going to be a physics teacher. And uh, I'm a mathematician by sort of nature and training. And it, it, so nobody ever asked me, like, did you ever think you would do this? And the answer is no, <laughs> never. Until, until my old high school physics teacher, when I was about to step into her job, told me that she had assessed all of her students over about a 35-year period for entrepreneurial capability and she wanted me to go start companies, not teach. That's an amazing teacher. Well done for her and lucky us. <laughs> so thank you so much. And we will level up next week again in the vaults. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Vault. Respect for showing up and creating your next stage of life and business. If you like this episode, I invite you to dive deeper and stay. The S stands for subscribe and share. Make a screenshot right now and pay it forward and send this to five friends who can benefit from this value. The T stands for try and transform. Try the technique, at least until the next episode. The A stands for action. Action creates success. Don't stay a student when you have a code. You should try to open the vault. And finally, the Y stands for you. This is about the most valuable asset of the vault and life in general, the one and only authentic you. So if this was your code, please comment and help the vault grow. Hashtag unlocked, hashtag next level, hashtag dive deeper, and see you next week to level up again. <laughs>